Hello and welcome to the Trinity Podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. Today's an interview with the multi-award winning behavioural change life coach, Angela Cox. We first met Angela when she asked to join our programme back in 2017. At that point, Angela was partway through her own fitness journey in which she lost a total of eight stone, as well as undergoing skin removal surgery and finding her own path to self-acceptance. Now you can hear more about how she did all of that back in episodes 5 and 19 of the Trinity Podcast, as well as in her book Enough, which you can find on Amazon. Since then, Angela's changed career paths, pursuing a passion for helping others on their path to becoming their best selves for themselves in their families. Angela has both one-to-one and online coaching programs that help busy professionals to stop being stuck, to build self-believe and to unleash their full potential. And she has tons of amazing success stories, including many current and former Trinity clients. You can find out more about this and what she does at angela-cox.co.uk or you can find her on Instagram at mindset underscore mentor underscore Angela underscore Cox. This is another inspiring episode with Angela, all about mindset, self-belief, body confidence and becoming our best selves. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode of the Trinity podcast. Welcome to the Trinity Podcast. I'm here today with Angela Cox. Hi, Angela. Hello, how are you doing? Very, very good, thanks. And it's great to have you back on. So since we last spoke to Angela, this was just over two years ago, I think we spoke. Um, I think everything's changed. So I really want to get into that first. So before you were in corporate consulting, I believe, and now you are the mindset mentor. So you're life coaching and you've won loads and loads of awards as well in life coaching lately. So what, what, what I think everyone will want to know and I want to know is how did you actually make that transition so was there something that inspired you or did it happen organically what like what's happened over the last couple of years then for you oh wow every I can't believe it's been two years since we last met because you came to the house didn't you yeah. and we podcasted in my dining room um, about my journey and I think at that point I just made the decision to leave consulting and I'd worked in corporates and consulting for you know 20 odd years I was in my dream job in consulting, or at least I thought it was going to be my dream job. I'd worked towards it for all of those years. And, and it was literally me sitting in a hotel room, like a hotel lounge with my boss and my self-talk saying to me, just tell him that you want to leave. Just tell him you want to leave. And he was talking to me about all these projects that I needed to go and manage. And literally I heard the words come out of my mouth actually I want to leave and and you know when you said something and then you go oh my god I have just actually said that out loud it isn't in my self-talk and he looked at me and said what and I was like yeah I want to leave it's not what I like I don't enjoy it I feel like a swan swimming all of the time because I was working with all these engineers who were very logical you know very clever I'm very clever but in a completely different way and just felt like I was a fish out of water in this environment. And I'd recognized that that was the case and wanted to do something about it. Now, at that point, when I said those words, I had no idea that I would set up as a coach. And I got home that night and I said to my husband, so I'm leaving the consulting firm. And he was like, what? I was like, um, I've handed my notice in today. Um, so I'm going to be starting gardening leave once I've done a handover. And then I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And, you know, I was a director in this consulting firm, so really well paid, 
fantastic bonuses, you know, and then I'm facing into what am I going to go and do, <laughs> you know, that's going to give me the same level of income. And I sat down and I kind of mapped out what I was good at. And what I knew I was good at was connecting with people. And I knew that I had loads of empathy and I knew that whenever I sat down with an executive or somebody on the front line, they would tell me their story every single time. So I'd be, you know, coaching them about business or I'd be walking through a process or whatever it might be. And I'd get to know the ins and outs of everything that had happened to them. So I knew that I had that skill and I knew that I was able to give advice in a way that helped people. So I started to look at coaching and I knew that I was a good executive coach because I was trained in that. So I thought I could bring that in. And I went to see a coach myself and they said, you don't need any qualifications to be a coach. You can just set up tomorrow and start. So I was like, oh, okay. So I did, I set up and I put it out online and said, I'm doing this coaching thing, called myself the mindset mentor because it was alliteration and kind of like that. And, um, and I started and I started to get clients and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And, and they were coming to me with reasonably, you know, surface level issues like you know I want to get better at my job or I want to lose some weight or whatever and there was me untrained apart from executive coaching through the conversation realizing that actually the things that they needed help with were way outside of my expertise and I sat there and thought god you know this coach that told me I don't need any training whoa what are they talking about of course I need training and so I'd kind of decided I was going to do it. I was getting clients. And then I went on a six month journey of get yourself trained and accredited in eight different change modalities, which I did. Um, and then went on to do a PG cert in psychology and neuroscience so that I had a really good level of understanding of what lies beneath a human being and how they tick and how they operate, how they hold themselves back such that I wasn't going to create more chaos in their lives by dabbling in things that I didn't know enough about. And, and so that's how kind of the business has, has been created and, and how I have come to be doing what I'm doing today. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. And I think, first of all, you followed, I think it's quite interesting. You kind of followed sort of that voice that it was like quite intuitive by the sound of things. I, I was going to say, did you have a, conversation with your husband before that decision or did you just sort of make that decision and then figure it out afterwards that's very much me I am very much in the moment there is something that happens inside of me like a visceral reaction that says you have to do something now to get yourself out of this situation and Mr Cox is generally the last to know and <laughs> thankfully he's the kind of supportive husband that you know knows that I will find my way through and so is behind me all of the way but yeah he is you know is one of those you rock up at home and go oh I've done this today and he goes okay <laughs> how are we going to get out of that one then <laughs> and I'll go I'll figure it out and that's what I do. And it sounds like you've done a great job of figuring that out and based on that then I've actually these are two questions I've added so we I planned some questions to send them to Angela before if you're listening to this but I wanted to know because I know you do this on your podcast um, I've kind of stolen this. I'm not going to call it what you call it. I think you call it the pom-pom moments, but I want to know what your biggest two or three achievements have been then since we spoke two years ago and since you've started on this new path. 
Oh God. So I guess the big one for me has been the PG cert. Um, so postgraduate certificate in psychology and neuroscience of mental health that were, that meant, you know, working an additional 25 hours a week on top of, you know, a full-time business and on top of being a mom in order to get the level of qualification that I feel that I wanted to have to be the best I can for my clients. That, that, that investment in time, oh my God, there were some weeks I could have just thrown it out the window. You know, I was so kind of stressed with it all. And, and during that time, and we'll come on to talk about this, my kind of health and nutrition journey definitely suffered because there are only so many hours in a day, even in my world. But to be able to now say that I've achieved that, having never actually achieved academic qualifications, although I was capable in my youth, I gave it all up for a man, um, to have that now and to have that cap and gown, although I've not got it yet because of COVID, um, it just feels incredible. So that's definitely one. I guess another one is about attracting the clients that I do I, I feel like I'm so unbelievably lucky that you know I set up this business two years ago and not only have I been able to get to the same and beyond the level of income that I was making in consulting but I'm also keeping clients long term so you know we solve the initial problem that they have and, and get them back into a state of self-belief but then they continue to work with me and they recommend me and that for me is a sign that I'm doing a great job. But also for me, that's about them and being able to watch them in their journey, you know, start to flourish. And, and it's such a beautiful position to be in. And then the third one is nothing to do with work. The third one is to do with my fitness journey. And that was in October last year, going to the World Championships for kettlebell sport um, and lifting a kettlebell above my head. 850 times and getting the silver medal um and if you'd have said that to me when I was obese Angela with an eating disorder I would have said never in a million years because I didn't even know what a kettlebell was but you know in two years of training to be able to kind of compete at that level and then see my daughter compete and she get the gold medal wow I, th I mean that you know that role modeling thing oh, it's insanely good so that, that for me is probably the biggest one in the last two years. And the awards and everything else are lovely, but, you know, that those things are closer to my heart. Do, do you think this is a this isn't one of my planned questions, but do you think you, your kids have been inspired then by watching you? It sounds like they have. Do, do they tend to mirror your behavior with the kettlebells and with the other fitness stuff you're doing? So Coral definitely does. Coral is my youngest. She's 10 and she's kind of come along with me and my husband on the kettlebell journey. I'm not one of those mothers who insists on it. So I'm not pushy in any way. So if she wants to train, she trains. I mean, she can knock it out the bag without training. It's sickening what these younguns can do. But, you know, she'll kind of join in if she feels like it and she won't if she won't. And she's very conscious about eating healthily. And, and you know, she's very much like that. On the flip side of that, my son is overweight and has been for, for a lot of his childhood. And I'm finding that really difficult, as you can imagine, because I know that he's learned those behaviors from me, having seen me binge eating in front of him when he was a toddler, you know, thinking it didn't matter because nobody else could see, but he could see. 
you know, and, and we've had experiences of finding rappers, you know, in, in his bedroom and all sorts of things. He's 12. And it's really difficult to know as a mum how to deal with that because I know how stuff that happened in my childhood around food has impacted the way that I was as an adult around food. So you don't know what to say, you know, for the right, for the right thing with a, with a child. And I've very much kind of gone along the lines of don't insist on, you know, him eating healthily, don't insist on him doing things. But what's beautiful is during lockdown, he's come out with me every morning for a 4k walk and he doesn't want to go and play football. He doesn't want to go and do kettlebells. He doesn't want to run, but he loves that walk. And, and for me, that's brilliant because he's getting exercise. He teaches me about animals and dinosaurs and we have lots of time together. And he's showing an interest in something that is good for him. Um, so I'm kind of celebrating that as a bit of a win. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard having a child who you can see is in the same position you were in when you were a child and wondering what on earth that's going to be like for him when he grows up. Yeah, I can only imagine because you, you obviously your own path that you, I, I guess I, I heard a phrase, I can't remember who said this, but it's, it's probably not put in the nicest way in terms of mindset, but it's something like you mess your children up no matter what you do. Totally. I think totally. All of us as parents are there to mess up our children so that they can come and see somebody like me in 20 years time. (laughs) The reason why. Um, So I completely get that. That's the job of a parent. Um, So yeah, don't take it too personally in terms of the mum guilt thing, but it is that thing around. There is nothing documented anywhere that tells you the best way of dealing with a child who is overweight is so tough. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I've never, I never thought of that, but it's clearly something that no one's really discussed. Maybe that's a future, future thing for Angela Cox when you have a bit more time on your hands. <laughs> no way, no way, no <laughs> way. Stick in your plane. <laughs> I wanted to come back then to what you were saying just before that. So kind of linked to that. You said when you're working, because I, I did see the updates on Instagram, when you're working on um, your qualification, Obviously, it took up a hell of a lot of time. So you were doing 20 plus hours a week of that, plus your work, plus family um, commitments. We work with loads and loads of women who have really busy jobs, also managing families. They're probably not doing quite as much as that, but one or two are. Like what, what then happened for you in terms of your fitness routine and all of that? Did it completely go out the window or did you find new ways of managing things? Fitness has stayed the same for me. Since the moment I started doing it in 2016, I've never missed a session. I don't like doing it. I'm still, I'll be honest with you. There still isn't that kind of, oh, I love to train. That, that doesn't feature in the Angela Cox world. It is still very much a conscious decision that I make to train five to six times a week. And it's non-negotiable and I just get on with it. And I change up what I'm doing from time to time. But that is relentless and I never will move away from it. However, the eating for me is the variable. So what I found during that time period is I still had the same types of food. So, you know, I didn't kind of go down the junk food route and I've still never had a McDonald's in all that time and, you know, still never had an alcoholic drink. So I have these kind of, you know, parameters in terms of what, what I accept as being healthy And I stayed within those parameters, but it would be, 
the portion size would you know I wouldn't be measuring food and I wouldn't be tracking macros and and what's interesting about that is you can convince yourself that it's okay and you're having a great day and then suddenly your size 10s aren't fitting you anymore or in my case they weren't and I'm buying a size 12 and I'm going hmm, I'm not sure about this still look okay still in proportion and still got loads of muscle because I'm still training but that difference of maybe three four hundred calories every day you know which which is so easy to do with not measuring your olive oil and you know sticking in a bit of extra chicken even the healthy stuff all adds up in a day and then you look at that over a six-month period and before you know it you've gained a stone and you're going god how did that happen I've been eating healthily you know I've not been binging and I've not been doing this that, and the other but I think that is it it's so easy when you take your eye off the ball to just get those little gains and those little gains before you know it can become the slippery slope because you can get to that tipping point where you can go oh, I can't be bothered now you know all my hard work's undone and so I'm kind of back now having just passed the exams got back to this right i'm doing sort of six weeks of absolute focus and i'm really good at this where i go like laser focus non-negotiable you know no treats or anything i kind of go for it and then once i've got back to that discipline again then i start to go okay well you know i can have a treat meal on a saturday or whatever and i, I get back into a routine again but i do think discipline's at the heart of it and when you are you know, juggling a million balls, it's easy to let that discipline slip. And I certainly did. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Actually, I was I was reading a different book, completely unrelated book today that was talking about juggling balls related to work and business. And I thought that's a great analogy for busy working mums as well as there's so many balls in the air, it's, you're bound to drop some if you've got 20 balls. Sometimes you do need to, you know, reduce the number of balls a little bit that you're juggling and just, just stick to 15 <laughs> or however many and it's a good point that so rather than drop the balls is consciously decide to put one down because then the the whole kind of guilt scenario that you get yourself into because you've dropped one isn't there you know so if you can kind of say well actually because of everything that's on my plate at the moment i can't commit to 60 minutes of exercise five times a week so instead i'll do 15 minutes you know every morning that's a great conversation to have with yourself to say i'm going to put the ball down and do it differently and that that's so much better than coasting through it thinking you can do it all and then finding that actually you do it all really poorly or not as well as you would have done yeah as you said then you feel guilt right and you don't feel you then then start to, to sort of spiral it can easily spiral can't it from guilt to then then everything else and we're going to come on to all of that in just a second i just wanted to come back to your discipline point there so yeah you said you're going to give it six weeks now. That's your, your aim, right? And really focus. And that's something I do suggest to a lot of members, actually, is like, it's often a lot easier to just go for this, get to where you want to be, and then you can enjoy things a lot more. And I know for some people, that's quite a long journey. And you've obviously experienced that yourself as well. If someone wants to lose six stone or eight stone, that's going to be a little while. But what do you what kind of tricks do you use? Because obviously, you coach people on mindset, things like this now. So you must have some mindset tricks up your sleeve. Or what things do you tell yourself so that you can commit to that time um, and give it your 100%? Because a lot of people, they think they can kind of just go, I'll I'll have one foot in, one foot out, and try and make this work, but I don't want to sacrifice anything. Like, What do you say to yourself so you can commit to that? 
I have that motto around the 100% is easier than 99. And I really believe that because when I did the body coach plan and I did your plan that allowed me to lose the eight stones in total, I did that relentlessly for the best part of 20 months and nothing passed my lips that wasn't on the plan. Okay, now this is a woman that was obese for 20 years before this and was a binge eater. So it was a huge achievement. And, and part of that was that desire to know that I wanted to get somewhere. And I was really clear in the vision. And I say this to clients a lot, get really clear about what it's going to look and feel like when you get there. So I had this picture of me wearing jeans with knee high boots and a short leather jacket. And I was slim and toned a million miles from where I was. And that was my vision. And then I had this idea that if I put in the 100%, I'm going to get to that vision so much more quickly. Because I'd watched a friend of mine the year before doing the 99. So doing the, you know, Monday to Friday, hell. <laughs> like literally like eating fresh air. And then weekend going crazy and then doing all their hard work. And then back on that same relentless cycle and in 12 months got nowhere. And I was like, well, that's miserable because she's miserable all week, lives it up at the weekend and she's doing that all the time and then actually doesn't reach her goal. So if I just go, you know, straight in, totally focused, took me 20 months, but I did it and I got to that goal and it felt amazing. And I absolutely knew where I was heading to all of that time. And people say to me all the time about motivation. The, one of the biggest things that gets said to me is don't know where you get your motivation from. But my take on that is that if you aren't where you want to be, that's all the motivation that you need. You know, the fact that you are not the person that you are desiring to be, it's the motivation is there. You, you already want to change. But what we allow to do is we allow things like self-talk to get in the way of it. We allow limiting beliefs to get in the way of it. And so the tricks and things that I use with clients are about actually reframing thoughts about getting to the root of those limiting beliefs and reprinting those. And there's all sorts of work that goes on to do that. I always say, I can't make you lose weight. Nobody on the planet can make you lose weight. Even a hypnotherapist, I'm one of those, but I would never say to you, I can make you lose weight with hypnotherapy because that's a load of rubbish. But what I can do is help you remove the blocks that are stopping you from unleashing that motivation that can get you to where you want to go. And then that's the discipline point. It's about deliberate practice. And for me, I have, when I'm on my missions, five non-negotiable deliberate practices around food and exercise and they would be to drink three liters of water a day something that when I'm not in the zone I can quite easily discount very easily so I get really clear with myself that that has to happen my 4k walk every morning which means I have to get out of bed half an hour earlier go and get it done train six days a week variety of different training but for no more than about 40 minutes and that's non-negotiable and then I have my macro tracking which you taught me <laughs> back in the day you know I know that that calories in calories out thing is key for me and the way my body works and so being relentless about the tracking have to do it so I have these absolute non-negotiable things that I do 
And then I have mindset deliberate practices as well around affirmations and self-talk and gratitude that keep both things, body and mind in balance and allows me to be successful. I love it. And those five things that you do fitness wise, then we'll come on to the mindset ones in just a minute. Do you, do you like tick them off every day? Do you have like a wall chart? Do you, do you have any method of doing that? Or is it just so ingrained now you can kind of do it in your head? I have done that in the past. So sometimes I'll make, you know, like um, a thing in my phone that says these are my daily habits, but now I'm kind of so wedded to them that I just get on with it. And my vision is important too. So my vision at the moment isn't necessarily about going to a kettlebell competition because there is none or running a marathon or anything. It's about getting back into my size tens because I'm currently a 12 and I want to get my size 10 jeans back on. So every week I'm trying those on, you know, I'm three weeks into this six week discipline thing now, but every week I'm trying those on and going, I feel a bit better. They feel a bit better. You know, I'm not like a stuffed sausage now in my size tens and I can see where I'm heading and that keeps me going. And do you, do you put them up anywhere? That's another thing I hear some people do. Do you have like the jeans on the hanging up on the side of the wardrobe? No, but I'll tell you what I have got. I've got a picture of me now because my phone somehow took a picture of me walking away from it. It must've yeah. been on one of those time-lapse things. And I got a picture of my back, right? <sighs> So that's on my phone next to a picture of me when I was kind of at my peak at my 11 stone seven, where I just loved every part of me. And I've got them side by side as my phone screensaver. So every day now, cause I'm on my phone all the time with clients, I see it and that keeps me motivated. I'm like, yes. And I've got an interesting question on this because I know where I stand. And I think we probably stand on a similar point, but a lot of people say that, you know, you, you talk about enough in your, in your book enough, right? You talk about you, you're enough as you are. Oh, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. You know Go where on. I'm going with this, don't you? But a lot of people say that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't base your happiness and things like this on a dress size or something like this. But I know from speaking to you and my girlfriend also, she's, she's lost four stone years ago and she said she felt so different after having lost it and she would never want to go back there. Like, where do you stand on that whole, you should obviously feel happy as you are, but also the desire to change your body. Like what, what was your take on that? Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. And I guess my take on that is that when I lost all of the weight, I didn't actually feel that happy. I felt more confident, but not happy. And, and that's actually what led on obviously to the change in career as well. Cause I recognized that in order to feel happy, I needed to do something that felt more fulfilling for life in general so I don't necessarily think there's a correlation between happiness and weight but I definitely think there's a correlation between confidence and weight and I think if you feel better about yourself then it really helps you to feel better about life in general and one of the things that I am not an advocate of and I, I say this really openly is this idea of embracing yourself at any weight and I understand that there are lots of people out there that, you know, are really happy and fulfilled and can look at themselves with lots of self-love at a size 24, 26, 32, whatever. And I have a lot of respect for that, but it isn't something that I buy into personally, because for me, I want to be the best and healthiest version of myself. And I don't necessarily compute that with being seriously overweight 
So for me, the self-love is important. And, you know, I don't necessarily, again, link that with a weight. But for me, I want to be, a, a, you know, a reasonable weight, a reasonable size for what I want. And then I can feel like I can love myself wholeheartedly. But I don't necessarily think it's linked to happiness. That's a that's a brilliant answer. I think that's the best answer I've ever heard for that question. I'm taking on some of those points now because I can completely relate. Having had a completely different journey, but going from being a very skinny guy who had a lot of negative feedback about being skinny, um, yeah. being a more you know, muscular, less skinny guy. And I definitely was a lot more confident. And that really led to this business it was like, yeah. I- better myself and I want to help other people feel that but at the same time as you said I think that's a brilliant distinction that I didn't really feel any happier like it didn't affect the happiness but it did affect the confidence and those are always linked I think that's the confusion I think that that often gets out there and I think there's also a health aspect as you mentioned there for you I imagine what you mean is you know you know to be healthy as well I think that's where I stand anyway that there's a certain weight that's probably not healthy going by what's out there and I think it's, it's, it's important to be healthy um, for, because a lot of people want to spend time with their family and with their friends for as long as possible and, and losing weight can help with that, but it's not necessarily yeah. happy. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've got a dad who has diabetes, so that's always at the forefront of my mind and lots of cancer in my family, you know, in, in terms of different grandmothers and things. So, you know, I want to be able to put the best things into my body and don't get me wrong. I don't always succeed. You know, there are times when, you know, chips will slip in and, and chocolate slips in and all sorts of things can slip in. But I still look at that as being in moderation now rather than what it used to be, which was, you know, the norm. And I want to now transition from that then into what you do, because some of some of what you do is around that kind of thing, right? Around fitness, around weight loss, around food. But I know it's much more than that now. So I know you've got a few different online courses. You do some in-person things as well. But how would you describe like in a nutshell then for someone like what you do now? What, what is what is Angela Cox and what are your services and things like that? So I am a blend of an executive coach, a life coach and a therapist. And very much I believe that those three things combined are how I can best help the people that I work with, which is predominantly senior leaders, professionals and executives. I guess the way that I work, you mentioned their fitness and health. I I don't really touch on that. That's your job, Rob. Um, And you do it brilliantly. And, And although I trained in nutrition, that was really for my own benefit. So I do have clients coming to me saying, I want to lose weight. And I always say, I can't help you to lose weight but I can help you with the things that might be holding you back. So so the way that I work with clients in a nutshell, to use your term, is I help clients to stop being stuck and then I help them to build the belief. And once they've got that, they can go on to unleash their full potential. So it's a kind of a three-stage journey. And I do that, as I say, with people who are already incredibly successful in their careers, but perhaps not in other aspects of life. And I also do that with women in particular who find themselves at a crossroads. So that might be a a stay-at-home mum who had a career before she had children and now wants to get back into a career. Or somebody who was in my position that I was in a few years ago who wants to transition from one career to another. So I very much work in that space too. And you mentioned that you help people who kind of feel stuck then. What are some of the 
reasons people come to you that they would identify as like they're stuck in their life? So they generally come with a symptom, which is something like um, I have imposter syndrome. Everybody likes to attach themselves to a label. I don't actually agree that imposter syndrome is a thing, but people will come to me with that. I want to lose weight. Um, I don't have any self-confidence. I'm um, not getting on with my partner or, you know, I want to progress at work and feel like I'm holding myself back. I'm wracked with self-doubt, that sort, that sort of thing. And in a stop being stuck scenario in that, that kind of period of the journey, I'm very much looking at their limiting beliefs. So I can get you to a place where you can identify a feeling that you've had recently. You might have been in a meeting, you might have been wanting to say something and felt those horrible feelings in your tummy of, oh God, if I say this, they're going to think I'm stupid. Or, you know, if I have this idea, he's not going to agree with it or whatever might be going on. We can take that as step one. And I can get you all the way back to a memory when you might have been six years old at school and a teacher, you know, made you stand up in front of the class and you said something wrong and everybody laughed at you. And in that moment, you will have created a belief about yourself that you can't get anything wrong or you must get everything right. And that drives your behavior as an adult. And that is what's stopping you from saying what you want to say in that meeting. So a few weeks ago on my podcast, I did a, an online coaching session, fly on the wall in my coaching room with a lady. And we got back to a, a memory she had no conscious awareness of where she was at a holiday camp and she was brought up onto the stage at this holiday camp by a really famous now blue coat, the famous comedian now. And he made fun of her in front of the whole audience and basically said that she was fat. And so she's created a belief in that moment that has now stopped her from fulfilling her potential in terms of how she looks. And of course, rather than it driving her to be slim, it's done the opposite. You know, she accepted in that moment that she was fat and that everybody in the room agreed and therefore made that her reality. And this is what happens to us. We create beliefs as kids that then act like little shackles and they stop us from moving forward so i work with you to understand those moments that you'll have no conscious awareness of and we reprint the memory change the meaning and then that changes the way that you show up and you then can start doing things like losing the weight with rob because you know he's got all of the tools that can help you and then if you're free of the shackles is you're not climbing a mountain every day you're climbing a molehill it's so much easier and isn't it, it's amazing that you work with people who are like CEOs really high up. I've listened to your podcast with some of your clients and despite that they've reached that really high level in, in, you know, at least in their career, and I'm sure they're really successful elsewhere as well, you know, have great families and everything. There's still these little things that are in the back of their mind that are holding them back. Oh, totally. You know, we all have self-talk. We all have it to a greater or lesser extent. And my success, my personal success, has largely been driven by the fact that I can control my self-talk. Not all the time, because sometimes it can take over if I'm tired or stressed or got too much on, but I know how to reframe that negative voice so that when it kicks in, I reframe it and tell it that I don't believe what it's saying. And just that alone sounds simple. It's not simple. You know, it takes some work, but that can have a profound effect 
on the way that you show up, both negatively if you're not in control of it and positively when you do get control. And I guess you can, I've definitely found at least, you can sometimes leverage negative sort of, it's not, maybe it's not negative self-talk, but negative experiences to actually drive you. Like I'm sure you've had experiences of that as well. Totally. You know, my big belief, limiting belief is about fearing disapproval and it goes back to a little scenario with with a, a nursery teacher when I was four years old again I had no conscious awareness of the memory till I got to it using the matrix got to that memory reprinted it the flip side of not wanting to be disapproved of which has caused me no end of pain by the way through my years the flip side of it is seeking approval and that's a huge driver for me in everything that I do and, and actually has loads of positive benefits because without me seeking approval, I wouldn't have, you know, had the wonderful career, built this wonderful business, done all the great things that I've done, have all of these awards, written the book, all of that would never have happened without approval seeking. But what's lovely now is that I've done the work around it. If I get disapproved of, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't crush me in the same way but I don't want to get rid of the approval seeking because it makes me successful you know I love that so you're absolutely right you know a, a negative situation can drive you in a positive way it's just getting the balance right and I wanted to ask actually then so I won't go into the techniques because you know you know how they work and I'm sure people don't really need to know what techniques you're going to use to work with you but what what does the format then look like if someone is to work with you like how how does that work is it because obviously with coronavirus now I'm sure that's <laughs> yeah well I mean I do have a practice in London which I'm not there at the moment hoping to get back there in September and I have a practice in Bedfordshire which is where my home is but majority of my clients are all around the world so I work with most people over video call and if you, and basically it is those three elements. So stop being stuck, build the belief, create the life you want. Stop being stuck is usually for most people a half day or split into smaller video calls where we really look at the shackles, identify them, reprint them, clear out trauma, look at self-talk, all of that type of stuff. Build the belief then is about installing new helpful beliefs that are going to serve you moving forward getting you to really focus on your values, what you want to be, how you want to show up, building the confidence, all of that good stuff. And then create the life you want is about looking at where are you now? Where do you want to be across all aspects of life? And how do you shift it? So what are the steps that you need to take? And I basically build a 12 month step-by-step -step plan that incorporates health and fitness for most people, all the different aspects of life as well. Cause I firmly believe that you don't want to dial up in one area and not consider every other area because that's when things start to suffer. So your relationship might start suffering or your work, etc. So we do the whole thing and then build a plan that is doable off the back of that. Now to work with me face to face and one-to-one -one is not cheap. Um, so I also have an online program, two of them, that allow you to access the tools and techniques and the lessons at a much more reasonable price for most people. Um, so there's two online programs, Mindset Gym and Courage and Confidence. Mindset Gym is those deliberate practices that I was talking about earlier from a mindset perspective. So the things that you can do daily to keep you feeling up and balanced and work on your self-worth baseline. And Courage and Confidence does what it says on the tin 
it helps you develop courage as a habit but also to get rid of unhelpful habits there's tapping in there for cravings there's all sorts of things and then how you build unshakable inner confidence real confidence that you don't have to put on so they're accessible to most people and would complement what you do brilliantly and, and how do you i was going to ask this at the end actually but how, how do people find more about those courses and if they do want to find out more yeah so the online courses are on a, a like a website called mindsetmentor.podia.com i'll send you the links and um the and they're 75 pounds and 149 pounds and then my website to, to work with me one-to-one or to get the podcast or any of my instagram that sort of thing is angela-cox.co.uk perfect i'll put them in all the links as well so if anyone's listening to this check out um the description you can see the links but before we wrap things up, I have a couple more questions for you um, based on what are the future plans for you? Because I know you've done so much already, but I'm sure you've got more in the pipeline. I know you've, you've hinted at another book. I don't know what you can mm. do, but what's, what's going on there? Yeah, so I am halfway through writing book number two. Um, so this is kind of, it, it almost talks you through my, my client journey, really. So it's how you can access that. So understanding how beliefs are formed, um, how you can identify them, understanding self-talk, how you reframe it, understanding the change curve, which is the thing that we have to be able to manage ourselves through. Um, and I'm about 40,000 words in now, so it's probably actually two-thirds of the way there. Um, and I'm planning to get that out sort of in the autumn time. And then, of course, I've got to go on and do some more learning as well. So I've just applied to Cambridge University, um, and I'm not going to tell you what that is until I know whether I'm in there or not. But yeah, I put the application in yesterday. So fingers crossed. And I've got half an eye on a PhD, um, perhaps before I'm 50. So I'm 42 at the moment. And um, yeah, I have this little vision of PhD in psychology by the time I'm 50. So who knows? Nice. I like, again, you're using your vision there. And I have an interesting story about Cambridge University. So that's where I applied to do my engineering degree. Obviously, pretty irrelevant now. Um, I didn't get into Cambridge University, so I probably have some limiting beliefs from that. But I was pretty glad I didn't get in there because I went to Bath University, which I had a much better time at than I think I would have had at that time in my life. Obviously, now something from Cambridge now would be pretty cool. I think so, as a mature student, it's easier to go to a university like that. But I think in those in those early in those early years it's very much comparative to the people who are super rich um so you get a load of limiting beliefs about you know not being good enough from that perspective so it's done you well yeah and obviously you've built this great business and i've worked with you before and that time when i worked with you doing the black box stuff you know the the, the lessons that i learned during that in terms of how to track macros really do set you up for life from a nutrition perspective um you know the body coach for me was brilliant and you know i speak highly of him and i love his plan it didn't teach me how to do it long term other than to keep following the plan and and your stuff really showed me how to be self-sufficient and and the accountability bit for me is a huge thing certainly was during my 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 um transformation and the the ability to check in with you and kind of hold the feet to the flames if you like and and have to be honest about the outcomes that had been achieved in the week a huge benefit for me around that so i'll always be grateful 
I appreciate that. And I, I, I just wanted to ask you then, in terms of accountability, last thing I wanted to ask you before we, we just find out where to find out more about you again. In terms of your programs then, do you offer accountability as well? Because I know it's a huge thing for our clients. So do you have regular phone calls with people or regular catch-ups with people as well? Yeah, I mean, so when I'm working with a client over, you know, four to 12 month period, then, you know, we are usually having sessions once a fortnight and my sessions then have 20, well, not 24 seven, but, you know, access to WhatsApp at any point. Um, and generally, you know, clients will get in touch. But equally, if I've asked them to do something and they're not doing it, <laughs> then there's the accountability aspect there as well. Where are they going? You know, where's that thing that we needed to do for this week? Because we can't progress until you've got that in. So, you know, I can go into that kind of almost like school teacher mode <laughs> when it needs to be to say, come on, you need to get this done. But equally, they can use me as that sounding board of, oh, my God, you know, this has happened today. And I know we've not got a session till next week, but what should I do? And I can give some advice and guidance. And the weird thing I find about accountability, I don't know if you find the same thing, is when people commit to signing up something like one of our programs, again, it's not the cheapest thing in the world. Same with working with you. I think just the process of making that commitment often makes people so committed that they do the work anyway so i get a lot of clients saying just because i know you're going to phone me means i've done the work but if you weren't going to phone me then you wouldn't do the work so it's quite strange because often i don't really have to get them to do much they're doing what i need them to do and they're getting the results they want and i'm sure you have the same experience but because yeah then they do the work it's that kind of you know huge investment and then for the first three four months while they're still entrenched in the limiting beliefs and you know they're still the self-talk isn't quite there and they're learning how to manage it all there's this kind of almost like hand holding needs to happen and then I find if they're working with me for 12 months in the second six months they're like so all over it because they've got the the drive and the oomph that they need to do it themselves so I love seeing that transition in someone from being sort of handheld to you know being sufficient and proficient enough to be able to just get it done it's brilliant yeah, I definitely, I know that feeling. It's very gratifying, isn't it? Yeah, totally, totally. So if someone wants to work with you then, Angela, if someone wants to check out the Mindset Gym or um, the Courage and Confidence course or your one-to-one -one stuff, I just want to wrap it up again. Where can people actually find you? Where can they follow you? And then where can they find info on those courses? So if you go for the online course, then you won't be working with me, obviously, one-to-one, -one, but you'll get the benefit of all of my wisdom. Um, and that you can find at mindsetmentor.podia.com. Both online courses are there. If you want to work with me one-to-one, -one, just drop me an email. So info at angela-cox.co.uk. I'll put the links into Rob's notes. And we can have a conversation about what that would look like. My one-to-one my -one prices start at an investment of £750 and go all the way up to 10000 depending on how much we work. So if you're kind of in that bracket, we can do one-to-one. -one. If not, because it's not for everyone, then 75 quid and 147 quid, I think it is. Can't go wrong, really, can you? No, you've got something for everyone. And Absolutely. books as well. So I know you've got a new one coming out. Um, and they're all very affordable as well. So we'll put all the links in the description for that. Thank but, you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Angela. I, there's loads more I wanted to ask, but time is precious at the moment. So we'll wrap this up for today. Well, I'm sure we'll have you back on when your next book's out. Just, <laughs> we'll do number four. <laughs> you, we'll do another one, not two years later this time.
Brilliant. Thanks for having me on. I've loved it. No, it's been brilliant again, Angela. We'll catch up with you again very, very soon, I'm sure. I hope you have a good rest of your week and, um, and we'll catch up with you soon. Take care, everyone. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast.